You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody, happy Monday to you and happy Fantasy Week 7. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball and I am your host Al Melchior. Joining me a little bit later on in the show today is Matt Modica. Matt uh, has the great website uh, CTM Baseball where he has the starting pitcher index and so what better person to have on the show when we've got a lot of interesting pitching stories to talk about. So we'll have Matt on a little bit later on. But as is the custom on the show, we start with the latest news. And uh, A.J. Pollock, he has a groin injury again. It's a different groin injury than the one he had back in September last year, if you recall, when he came back. It was sort of a short stay. Uh, so uh, he is out again with a groin injury. There is no timetable as of yet, so that's going to be a very difficult game-time decision for you when you're setting your lineups if you're an A.J. Pollock owner, so... Stay glued to your Twitter machine or your your new source of choice. If I get any news, of course, uh, during the hour, I'll pass that along uh, in regards to uh, A.J. Pollock. The A's have activated Sean Manaya from the 10-day DL as anticipated so that he can make his uh, start tonight. And uh, that will be in Seattle against the Mariners, of course. Uh, so Sean Manaya off the 10-day DL. Carlos Gomez was removed from Sunday's game with a right hamstring strain. He is scheduled to have an MRI today. So, again, if there's any further news on Carlos Gomez, uh, I'll pass that along, although I would certainly be not inclined to start Gomez this week. And I, in fact, did take him out of uh, the lineup in the one league where I do own him. Travis Shaw uh, exited Sunday's game early with a right index finger injury and also, again, no additional information or timeline for Travis Shaw. And Hunter Pence, uh, of course, he's uh, been not at full speed for a while now. Um, He may go on the DL uh, for, uh, well, uh, yeah, he's uh, scheduled, or actually he is, I'm sorry, he's had an MRI and he may go on the DL. Uh, He has only been available to, to pinch hit. The uh, Cardinals are still uh, not sure about the status of Dexter Fowler. He's had a shoulder injury on and off. He came back for a couple of games and then was out on Sunday. Uh, Apparently, it only affects his throwing. So at the very least, you could probably expect Fowler to pinch it uh, or, you know, perhaps he could even just be, you know, back in the lineup. So that's another one you got to keep your eye on. Shinsu Chu uh, has lower back spasms, so he was scratched from the lineup in yesterday's game and was not even available as a pinch hitter. So uh, Chu is another one I would uh, certainly lean towards not starting him, uh, but uh, that's another situation that is currently in flux. And Drew Pomerantz left his start on uh, Sunday early due to uh, left triceps issue, tight left triceps. So we've got a few more notes. We'll pick those up after the break. And then uh, some hitter performances that were noteworthy. We'll go over those as well. So stick around. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me a little bit later on will be Matt Modica, CPM Baseball, to uh, talk about some pitchers. Pitchers mostly have been disappointments. But we'll try to try to lift things up for you, uh, give you an upbeat assessment. Uh, but before we get to that, and that is a bit later, and before we get to some other news items, quick word about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Uh, we also rely on an expert from the media. Me, oh, I, easy for me to say, meteorological world. There we go. Kevin Roth providing the weather forecast on Roto Grinders. We've got a very, very small slate tonight, eight games. Four of those games are being played indoors. So definitely minimizes the chance for you to lose out on some players due to inclement weather. And yet, of all places, San Diego is the one game where we got to watch and see, uh, make sure that there's not going to be a rain out. Doesn't look too bad. 30% chance of precipitation there at Petco Park where the Padres will host the Brewers. I was certainly looking forward to starting Chase Anderson tonight. Hopefully they will be able to get that one in. Uh, back to some of the news items. Brian Price has said that Amir Garrett is going to be inserted back into the Reds rotation this week. Not clear whether it's going to be to face the Cubs or the Rockies. Uh, I'm going to double check. I think those are both home series, though, for the Reds. Uh, if you're worried about the Coors effect, not that Great American Ballpark is any kind of bargain. But yes, those are both. Oh, I take that back. Uh, the Cubs series is at Wrigley Field, which is actually a better place for uh, Garrett to pitch than uh, Great American, American Ballpark. But uh, no word yet in terms of what exact date, but we will see Amir Garrett, Amir Garrett this week. So uh, I would certainly think it'd be a good time to good time to put him in your rotation. As Dribble Cabrera has a torn ligament in his left thumb, but he may try to play through it. Not clear yet if this is going to require a DL stint for Cabrera, but that sounds pretty risky to me. And look, even if he does try to play through it, that sounds like something that could possibly impact his his performance at the plate. So not in either way is it really good news for his Dribble Cabrera. You know, Escobar has a hamstring strain. He's going to be out somewhere between two and four weeks with that injury. Uh, and CJ Crone should be coming back for the Angels. So... Um, they're pretty much status quo there in terms of uh, they've got their infield corners covered with uh, Luis Valbuena, most likely I would think taking over at third base and Crone at first, but uh, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, we have a couple of lineups in. Again, like I said, only eight games on the schedule, but we do have the uh, the earliest game. It's a 6 o'clock Eastern start for the Rays and Indians at Progressive Field. And you know how Ricky Weeks has been in the lineup as sort of a staple lately? Well, he is out. Colby Rasmus is in left field. Corey Dickerson's the DH for this game. And nothing unusual there in the Indians lineup. 
All right, going back to Sunday's action. Just had a string of uh, two homer performances, it seems. A lot of power this year. And maybe that corresponds, too, with some of the disappointing performances of, about pitchers that we're going to talk about a little later on in the show. So, uh, you know, what you take away from the pitchers, you give to the hitters. And George Springer had a big, big day. Of course, the Astros had that double header with the Yankees yesterday. So he made nine trips to the plate, reached in four of them. He went three for eight with a walk, and two of those three hits were home runs. So Springer is now up to a total of nine on the season. And I thought it was an interesting question going into the year, given that Springer's now, I think, pretty firmly in his prime years. Is he going to be that 40-homer guy that I know I thought he was going to be when he first came up? given the great power numbers that he, he put up in the minors and uh, at times we've seen from him in the majors, but you know, between injuries and just some, some changes in Springer's game over the last few years, we've not really seen him truly blossom into that elite power hitter. But now we're you know, roughly a, a quarter through the season, a little bit short, and we're entering week seven out of 26. So uh, you know, by the middle of this week, we will be a quarter through the season so he's just a little bit shy or, you know, just just almost on a 40 home run pace this year, George Springer. The the stolen base part of the equation hasn't really worked out for him, but certainly the uh, the power has been there. And Paul Goldschmidt also with the two home run game, this against the Pirates, two for five uh, with a walk in that contest. And so Goldschmidt, if you had any concerns last year being just a slightly down year for him, he's been uh, an elite producer this year. I uh, can't really say the same about Jason Kipnis in the brief time that he's been back from the DL, but uh, big game for him on Sunday against the Twins. Four for five. He hits a pair of homers. So you get a pair of homers and you get a pair of homers. That's uh, I feel like I'm the, the Oprah of the uh, the home run count here. Uh, Yadier Molina with a two homer game. That one, probably the most surprising so far, but not the most surprising of the bunch. We got one more. That was really, uh, I think, very unforeseen. But uh, Molina against the Cubs, two for four with a pair of homers. He's got three on the season. And uh, I would expect for Molina that that's just a just an aberration. I, I'm not even sure he'll get to double-digit home runs this year. But if you drafted him, I have him in one league. I know when I drafted him, it was not for the power production. It was for basically the compiling of plate appearances at the catcher position with a good batting average. I think you can still count on Yadier Molina for that. But the most surprising two home run performance of the day comes from the Rockies, Pat Valaika. Uh, you may remember his brother, Chris Valaika. Um, Pat spent a little bit of time up with the Rockies last year. And of course he's in there now for Trevor's story. And he went two for four against the Dodgers with a pair of home runs. And I will have to admit to not knowing a whole lot about Pat Vlaika prior to this two home run game. Like I said, I did remember him being up for a brief time last year. I didn't recall him really doing a whole lot with that, uh, with that time, but looking back at his Miley record, I, this is not somebody who, uh, you know, just as a, an example off the top of the head here, like Ryan Schimpf, when he came up last year for the Padres and he started hitting all, all those home runs, you know, and he was an older guy for being a rookie and, so I think probably like a lot of people, I thought, well, who who is Ryan Schimpf? And then you looked at the at the track record. You're like, well, you know, this is a guy we haven't heard much about, but um, 
you know, it seems like he could be a power hitter, given that this is somebody who hits a ton of fly balls and pulls the ball and, and you know, kind of just, uh, you know, goes all or nothing. Pat Valleca is not Ryan Schimpf by any means. Uh, he is in one regard. He is a fly ball hitter, but he has not produced a whole lot of power with that fly ball approach in the minor league. So maybe, maybe in, in Denver, that pays off a little more. I think it's kind of interesting. I still would view Valleca as mainly an NL only option, but given that that batted ball profile is one that could translate into uh, some, some more power than you saw in the minors. It, uh, it's, it's something to watch with Pat Valleca two homer game for him. Brandon belt showing off the power and that's not a, a complete surprise, but um, in terms of what he's done lately, I have to admit, I am a little bit surprised uh, he went one for four in the uh, season finale, or the season finale, the series finale rather, uh, against the Reds at AT&T Park with his seventh home run of the year. In that four-game series, Belt hit a home run in three of those games, and again, that was at AT&T Park. So when I dispense weekly lineup advice, Belt often is one of those guys where the start-sit advice is based on where he's playing. Uh, because he's generally not produced home run power at AT&T Park like he has on the road. And, and you would completely expect that. But he's been on a little bit of a homestand power binge, Brandon Belt. Don't know if that means anything. Again, you know, like the Yadier Molina two-home run game could just be sort of a weird, uh, you know, weird kind of aberration. But uh, interesting nonetheless. And Brian Dozier to kind of end this segment on a little bit more of a downer note. He uh, had you know not a, a, a really notable game at Cleveland on Sunday, one for three with a walk and one stolen base attempt that was not successful. But that's sort of a microcosm of Dozier's season so far, which is not as much power as he expected, walking a ton, and not stealing bases very efficiently. But um, he, he's trying. He's already had 11 stolen base attempts. Dozier, but he's only succeeded on six of them. So we'll talk a little bit more about Dozier uh, a little later on in the show because it's just he's he's been a tough one to figure out. But uh, coming up, we've got we'll talk about some starting pitchers. We're going to have Matt Mojica with us after the break. Stick around; he always gives great pitching advice. So you're going to want to be here for that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and it's time to talk about some of the pitching performances from Sunday, and it is our good fortune to have with us here for this segment, Matt Modica. Matt, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Al. Yeah, no, always good to have you here, and uh, of course, you can find Matt's work uh, on CTM uh, Baseball, and uh Matt, what is you? You've got a, a program here on Fantasy Sports Radio, correct? Yes, I do. Uh, Roto Experts in the morning from eight to ten, and Old School Fantasy from ten to eleven. So I'm sorry I shortchanged you. I only gave you one show. <laughs> in fact, you've, you've got two. So all kinds of places to uh, get get Matt's advice, and uh, we we need it because uh, there were several performances yesterday on the mound that were really a bummer, 
And of course, the biggest bummer was Masahiro Tanaka, uh, and, uh, part of that doubleheader, Yankees and the Astros, one and two-thirds innings, eight runs on seven hits and a walk, three strikeouts, and four home runs he allowed. So his uh, ERA now has skyrocketed to 580, but he's not really been right this season. What do you think is the problem with Tanaka? I'm trying to figure it out, Al. I think he might be broken. I mean, he's given up seven home runs in his last 15 innings. Uh, in this small sample, so far six weeks in, he's got a 12 and a uh, 12% strike uh, swinging strike rate, which is very good. The chase rate is down, uh, but the thing I was looking at that kind of caught my eye is his career BABIP is 274, and this season his BABIP is 312. And I guess he's putting a few more guys on base. He used to, have, you know, he's known for his pinpoint control. The walks per nine are almost two and a half. So I think that's really hurting him because he's getting guys on and, you know, he's, the strikeouts are down a little. I mean, he hasn't been the same strikeout pitcher every season. It's gone lower and lower. So it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating because I had uh, high hopes for Masahiro Tanaka. I did too. And it, it felt like after years of kind of holding back and being worried about the UCL um, and, and, you know, last couple of years not being a great strikeout pitcher. And this year I bought in. You know, I thought, okay, this guy just finds a way to get it done, and now he's not getting it done. So uh, what, what would you offer advice-wise uh, going forward? Uh, bench him? I think I, I might bench him the next time out just to see, make sure everything's okay with him. I'm not saying there's an injury, but maybe there's something. Maybe he's kind of changing his approach a little. I'm really not sure. Because I'm looking, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, obviously the home run is the thing that sticks out to you. But, you know, like why is this occurring? And, I mean, look, the, the ground ball rate's over 50% right now. So it's, it's a really curious case. I would, I would sit him down for now. Like I said, seven home runs in the last 15 innings is, is pretty rough. Yeah, you know, and we saw sort of a similar stretch from Kenta Maeda earlier this year, and, and he's rebounded in a big way. So uh, for anybody who might want to drop Tanaka, I think that would be a huge mistake. Yeah, no, I, I, there's no way I would, I would drop him. He's, he's too talented. you got to hope maybe it's a little bit of a dead arm possibly. I, I'm, I'm just trying to, like, reach for things here. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, it's mysterious, but sometimes we don't have time to solve the mystery. You just have to kind of, you know, stop the bleeding and, and find a spot on the bench for them. Uh, and you mentioned uh, this, this doesn't, you know, go in the category of slumping aces or, you know, Sunday bummers. But, you know, you mentioned uh, Tanaka with the, the walk rate around two and a half per nine, which, you know, it's sort of laughable to, you know, posit that as, as a negative because, you know, for most pitchers would love to have that. Do you notice uh, Ivan Nova walked a batter on Sunday? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, he's he's doing a fantastic <laughs> job. I mean, he did give up what three runs yesterday in six innings. Arizona's yes, yeah. not an easy place, but I mean, if you drafted Ivanova, you got to be pretty happy so far. Yeah, so three walks and last two starts for Nova. He is out of control. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, Jake, you know, get pitchers who would who would you know be fine with that performance. Uh, Jake, Jake Jake Degrom would have taken that. Um, because uh, at the Brewers, I mean, not a horrible performance, but not what you expect from DeGrom. Six innings, four runs allowed, eight hits, just one walk. And the seven strikeouts you'll certainly take from DeGrom. But he's now got an ERA just north of four. So, uh, you know, both teams in New York uh, having some problems at the top of the rotation. Yes. The one thing I will look at for DeGrom, for people to have uh, a lot of hope for, because I am really big on DeGrom. I still think he's going to put it all together. 
you look at the ERA just above four, but the FIP is 336. And if you look at the XFIP, which is a number I really like to look at, it's 286. Uh, his BABIP for him is out of whack. It's 345. The left on base percentage is 78%, but that's his career left on base percentage. So, I mean, a guy with a 15% swinging strike rate and a 32.5K uh, K percentage, I'm, I'm going to be all in. And if somebody's nervous, he's a guy I'd be pouncing on. Yeah, that sounds like a good move. Absolutely. Uh, how about Jose Quintana? Uh, now, yesterday versus the Padres, 5Ks in seven innings. That's got to be a little disappointing because, you know, if you even have a halfway decent strikeout pitcher facing the Padres, you can usually count on them getting about a strikeout per inning, sometimes more. So 5Ks in seven for Quintana, three runs allowed, which is not bad in five hits. But overall, uh, that didn't really help him too much. Uh, his ERA is still at 438. Are you worried at all about Quintana, or is he also somebody to target uh, as a buy low? I mean, I'm just a little worried over these uh, last six weeks that maybe it's a, a little bit of a mind game for him right now because the inevitable trade that they were talking preseason. I mean, Quintana should not have been a first, should have not have been a number one or a number two for your fantasy rotation. I drafted him in multiple places as my number three. I still think he will improve. He's uncharacteristically walking batters. That's what's really getting him into trouble this season. The other thing that is a little alarming is the ground ball rate has gone down each year. So and it's trending lower this season. So if I want to look for something, but the hard hit percentage is below thirty percent. He's basically got a fifteen percent infield uh fly ball, which is very good and something I look for and something that like Marco Estrada really like thrives on. Yeah, well that uh helps a bit with the Babip as well. You know, you get those easy pop outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically automatic outs. So, yeah, no, that's a great stat. And one one we don't talk enough about, I think. So it's good to, to bring that up. Yeah, well, uh, as far as Quintana well, goes, I would just yeah. hold and just, you know, hopefully he gets traded to a contender, and at some point he's going to have a good run. Uh, well, you think that the Cubs will be a contender. <laughs> a little surprising uh, where they're at in the standings right now. Jake Arrieta has not really helped. Uh, against the Cardinals on Sunday, went six innings, but allowed four runs on seven hits uh, and a walk and got five Ks and six, but his ERA is 544 right now. So uh, what, what do you see in the future for Arietta? Uh I was kind of nervous coming into the season because I was worried about an injury. After, like, last year, the first two months were Jake Arietta-esque. He looked like you know he had a no-hitter. Looked like it was going to be another great season for him. But the thing that keeps sticking out to me is last season, after the first two months, and continuing on into this year, is he's not throwing his best pitch as much as he, he – at one point, it used to be 30% of the time, whether you classify it a slider or a cutter. Now it's down to below 20% of the time. That's his money pitch. That's his out pitch. And he's kind of stayed away from that. The other thing is the velocity, which is tough to gauge with the new systems they have in place, but he seems to be down maybe two miles an hour. So it's not something that I'm excited about. Even though he's gotten the strikeouts, he's a guy that I've been away, I've been off of, and I really don't see myself getting on. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've sort of gone up and down with Arietta because like you, I was worried about all those things with him coming into the year and the control sort of regressing for him for most of last season. 
and then you know earlier on this year, I thought, oh, yeah, I think uh, Ariad is back, but yeah, no, he's he's sort of backslid again. And uh, you know, what, what, do you start him at this point? I mean, in deep leagues, it's tough to sit a guy you basically you have as your ace. Or I mean, where he was going, maybe yeah. he's your number two. And, I mean, it's really tough. But, I mean, it depended upon the matchup. I, I may have to. I mean, the one thing he has gotten you is the strikeouts. So it's a, it's a tough call. I mean, somebody, if I could get something good for him in my, that I consider a fair value, I would make the move. All right. All right. Uh, Justin Verlander, uh, another not very encouraging start. And you talked about the walks for, uh, for Jose Quintana. Very, very strange for Justin Verlander. Five walks in six innings against the, the Angels. Uh, four runs in, over those same six innings. Uh, seven strikeouts, which is tough to do against the Angels. But he's got almost a 12% walk rate, and he's now got a 447 ERA, uh, Verlander. So, And what's really you know. alarming is the chase rate is down. Verlander's a guy that can figure it out. I remember last May, it was like around May 3rd, because he had a great tweet. He's like, I'm very close. You know, be patient. I'm very close. And then after that, he went on that pretty much what should have won him a Cy Young Award last season. So I'm hoping at some point either he figures it out, Kate cooks him some great meal, it all comes together somehow, some way. I mean, at home, the difference is at home is ERA is under one. He's allowed zero home runs. The walk rate is uh, fine. It's on the road where he's allowed the five homers. I mean, 17 walks in 27 innings. That's the thing. Huh. That's re- and Anaheim yesterday shouldn't have been a team that he had a problem with. All right. Well, uh, I hate to put you on the spot, spot here, Matt, but I know we got some other pitchers to talk about. We got to go to break. Are you able to stick around and sure. get the, hit yeah. those pitchers with us? No or? problem. Fantastic. That is good news. So, all right, we'll stick around, folks, because uh, we've got uh, you know several other pitchers. Not you know, it's going to be more of an upbeat thing. Some good performances. We'll talk about Adam Wainwright and Aaron Sanchez's return from the DL. Surprisingly good performance from Alex Meyer. So, uh, Matt, thank you for uh, sticking with us. You stick with us, too. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and we get some bonus time with Matt Modica. So I uh, just figured we'd have Matt on for the last segment, but ran a little long on that one. So uh, I'll try this more often, Matt. <laughs> get to keep our, our guests on longer. <laughs> but, uh, thanks for sticking with us. Anytime. Uh, let's, uh, let, let, before we get, I promised to, to go on, on a higher note, but we, we got to talk about Kevin Gosman because it was another bad performance for him. Uh, this time against the Royals, and you figure that's that's one of the better matchups, although I think the Royals have been hitting a little better of late. But Gosman didn't get out of the fourth inning in this one, gave up nine hits, five five runs. Uh, are, are, is it time to be done with Kevin Gosman? You know what? I, I'm really concerned. I mean, I'm thinking of benching him in my AL only league. That's how bad it is right now. Wow. I, I want to say it's bad luck, you know, on, on, his Babbitt's 353, the left on base percentage is 66.5. But the strikeout rate is down. 
uh, dramatically. The walks are up dramatically. And, I mean, the, the velocity is there. So, I mean, this is something that he's going to have to figure out. I mean, Baltimore needs him to figure it out. They're, they're not going to go anywhere without him. So, I don't know what the best course of uh, action is. If you own him and you still – I mean, in a 15-team league, you're holding on to him. In a 12-team yeah. league, I, I think at this point you could say sayonara. There's other arms out there to get. And uh, I don't think anybody's jumping on him right now neither. Yeah, I, I think that's all right. Um you know, and I with somebody with this potential, we've been talking about Gosman's potential, you know, for three, four years now. But when people come to you with, uh, you know, the questions about their rotations and, and say, well, you know, I want to add so and so. And Gosman's a name that I've been seeing more and more lately in terms of can I drop him? And I'm, I am telling people, go ahead. And, and part of what I think influences that for me, Matt, is that I, I had some concerns about Gosman coming into this year. It's not, you know, like. Uh, another pitcher who's struggling and you know I thought well okay but I expected you know this skill to be there or this level of improvement to be there with Gosman I thought well this is somebody you know for the division he's in he's just too homer prone Uh, so for him to not even kind of be at the level where he had already been I agree with you I think it's it's time to to cut him loose yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It really is. Because, I mean, I, I kind of had, I was a little more positive than you. I thought last season he was starting to make that step, but unfortunately that didn't happen. No, no. Uh, well, Aaron Sanchez did certainly make that step last season. And, of course, we haven't seen enough of him this year because he's had the recurring problem with his fingernail. But back from his latest DL stint and, and a good one against the Mariners, just five innings, but one run that was unearned, five hits, um, two walks and four strikeouts. So uh, is uh, Sanchez somebody that you can just keep in your rotation going forward, or, or do you have uh, any concerns there? Uh, I, I like Aaron Sanchez. I I think last season's three ERA might have been a little much. I didn't expect him to repeat that this season, but I thought a 350 ERA was definitely reasonable. Uh, what he's done so to date, the 18 innings or so, I'm just going to scrap that. I'm going to, you know, he looks healthy now after yesterday. This is an extreme ground baller. Once he gets that game going, if he can ever develop a little more swing and miss in his game, this could be a really fantastic pitcher. Uh, He is still a young kid. He's still learning. Uh, The 192 innings last year was a nice increase, a sizable increase. So he's someone that I have a little more faith in than others maybe. And uh, somebody that I would like to have in my rotation right now. All right. Well, uh, Adam Wainwright with a really, really nice performance against the Cubs. And, and yeah, they have been struggling. Uh, But he went seven innings, did not give up a run, just four hits. He did walk four batters, just three Ks. But Wainwright's been a little light on strikeouts for a while now. Uh, Are you encouraged by this at all? I mean, I'm encouraged. I don't really ever want to say a bad word about Adam Wainwright. The guy's been a warrior. Uh, been a hell of a pitcher throughout his career. He, in a 12-team league, I'm really not even looking at him right now. He'd have to do a lot more for me. In a 15-team league, yeah, he's somebody of interest for me. Somebody I think could maybe get his game back. Uh, I think he's a better pitcher than he's shown this season. So in, in the deeper league, yes. In the 12-team, I still need to see more. I, you know, even for the 15-teamer, I have a concern about Wainwright that, that really doesn't have to do with him, and that is that the Cardinals' defense hasn't been that good this year. 
And he's, I don't know what his BABIP is at this point. I know it was very, very high. And, and probably some of that is on him. But is, is that something that you worry about for him or, or for the Cardinals' rotation in general? Yes, that has been a, a concern. I mean, Mike Leake stated last year that he was actually trying to strike guys out. And Mike Leake, strikeouts are not his game. So, I mean, last season, Wainwright had a 393 FIP. This season, he has a 381 FIP, which is well below his ERA. I'm not saying to go like, you know, he's a guy you have to have. But for me, in a, in a 15 team, I'm going to have him as a person of interest. This course, that 390 Babbitt, if that corrects, which it should somewhat, he should see a little bit of boon to his game. Hopefully, maybe he figures something out, the veteran that he is. The guy that concerns me with the Cardinals, not to go off script here, but is Michael Walker and why they gave him the rest this weekend. He's a guy they need yeah. this season. And with the Cubs coming to town, I felt that odd. They could have gave him, they could have skipped his next start. So I'm thinking there might be a little something more to this Michael Walker thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough one to call because yeah, they they skipped his turn and that never seems like a good thing. Uh, but then the the assignment that he has coming back is to pitch against the Giants, who have been a really nice matchup. So, yeah, no, <laughs> which I mean, way would fantasy, you swing on? We, we, we love that, but I just, as, as yeah. for like an MLB team to sit one of their better pitchers this season against their main rival, the team that's probably going to win the division, I found curious. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I had a little bit of hesitation recommending him, even with the great matchup, but uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I would kick myself leaving Waka on the bench this week. And hopefully, hopefully he's all all right. You know, mm-hmm. um, Alex Meyer had a very nice start. One of the better starts on Sunday, actually. Went six and a third, just three hits, just one run against the Tigers. So you know, not exactly a cake matchup. Uh, only two walks. That's probably the number in the line that that strikes me the most with Meyer. Seven Ks, and he's a guy who has had strikeouts throughout his minor league career, but some really abysmal control at times. So in this game, just two walks. And his last couple stints at AAA, I mean, it doesn't amount to a whole lot of innings. But the strikes-thrown ratio was was pretty respectable, right around 64%. Do you think the final piece is starting to come into place for Meyer? I'm going to put him on my watch list. As you mentioned, the walks are the really have been what stymied him from ever growing into the pitcher that many believed he could possibly be. Uh, former first-round pick. It's, I'm not going to get the faith right away. i got to see a little more. Yesterday's start, yes, that was encouraging. But I'm not going to throw a guy like that into my uh, lineup right now because he could blow you up really bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's big risk there for sure. Uh, but no, definitely on my watch list as well. Because like I said, you know, going back and looking at the recent minor league performance, and I certainly don't want to go overboard with, with one start because anybody can, you know, kind of be out of their mind for one start uh you know think back to i think it was saturday that lizalberto bonilla had the complete game for the reds against the giants again so good <laughs> matchup but you know, I, I didn't want to read too much in that one start because it didn't really jive with with his track record you know in terms of the numbers he put up in that that game uh well as long as we got you here matt get your take on on a few hitters too sure uh so Brian Dozier, before, right before he came on, I started to talk about his performance on Sunday, and I, I called it a microcosm of his 2017 performance. He went one for three with a walk, got caught, got caught stealing. And so, you know, he's, get, he's getting the walks, 
uh, at a much higher rate. And, and Dozier's always been somebody with pretty good plate discipline, and he's taken the walk rate up a, a big notch. But the power hasn't been there in the way that you probably expected when you drafted him. And he's 6 for 11 now in stolen bases. And that's remarkable both in terms of the rate at which he's trying to steal and the rate at which he's, he's not succeeding. <laughs> so, and, he's in, and, the bigger, and this I did not get to uh, before you came on. He's just not the Brian Dozier that we, we've come to know in the most important way, which is that he's not hitting that many fly balls and he's not pulling them. It's it's like Brian Dozier. We don't even know you anymore. Uh, so what what do you make of this version? Yes, the uh, fly ball percentage is down. The ground ball percentage is up. Uh, the hard hit percentage is just a couple of ticks down. I'm going to look to last season when after the first couple of months people were cutting Brian Dozier. So I'm going to say hold on. He did have that ankle injury. Hopefully that gets fully healed, and maybe the stolen base success rate improves. But uh, this is a guy that I just want to see him bat 250. Hopefully the power returns. Uh, I do believe in the power. He does need to start hitting some more fly balls. Maybe it's just a six-week early season thing where he's been banged up a little, and maybe with that ankle, hasn't been able to plant as well as he likes in the box. But uh, this is a guy that's proven it to me, and a guy that, like I said, last season people were cutting him, and he just went crazy in, in, in the last few months. And the other thing, the weather so far has not been warm. It's been pretty much chilly to cool on, on the East Coast, you know, in, in the Midwest. Things are going to start warming up. Well, that, those are all good points to, to raise. And uh, last year, I right around this time, I sold low on Dozier. And it was the same deal. He was coming off of injury, really, really bad start to the year. And, of course, in June, he just completely turned the switch and, you know, was one of the best hitters in fantasy from that point on. So hopefully people can learn from my mistake and just be patient with Dozier. I have, I have him again this year. I've got him benched in one of my leagues. Uh, and that's also because I have the luxury of starting Cesar Hernandez. So, but uh, no way I'm trading uh, or cutting Brian Dozier. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Look for Matt's work on CTM Baseball and uh, here on Fancy Sports Radio. So stick around. We'll be right back with some more hitter talk after the break. Welcome back, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melker, and I owe a huge, huge thanks to Matt Modica for spending not one but two segments with us to talk uh, mostly about pitchers, although we also dug in a little bit to Brian Dozier's kind of weird season so far. Uh, So great stuff from Matt, as always. Uh, Now, on Twitter earlier today, I solicited uh, suggestions for people to talk about the hitters that just don't make sense to them this year. And uh, we did the sister segment to this uh, last week, talked about some pitchers uh, whose stats just don't make sense, things that just don't fit together, or performances that seem to come out of nowhere. And uh, got a couple of responses on this for hitters, both Colorado Rockies. And uh, as with the pitcher version of this, uh, the segment was inspired by some players for me that I am struggling to figure out. But before we get to those... Uh, at the Rogue Button, his nomination is Mark Reynolds. 
And, and yeah, in one sense, I do think Reynolds is hard to figure out because he's just had a very weird career arc where he started off as this you know, super power hitter uh, who you couldn't really rely on for a lot other than power, but, you know, the, the power was prolific enough that he, he had some, uh, you know, it's quite a while ago, but, you know, he had some standard mixed league appeal. And then when the power wasn't there to the same degree, he really lost a lot of a lot of that appeal and then you know even kind of went for a few years into more of a bench role and so you know Reynolds and I think the part that makes Reynolds confusing is it's not like this is his first year at Coors Field so you can't just say oh well you know he came to Coors Field and he rediscovered his power I mean it's the second season there uh, and maybe it was having that first season that uh, you know gave him some reason to kind of uh, rethink uh, his approach and I don't know. I am completely speculating at this point. Uh, this is another player I should probably do a deeper dive on. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, it's happening. I do buy into it for Reynolds, partly because it's in Colorado and partly just because the peripherals are just so outstanding that I, at this point, a quarter of the way through the season, I think there's got to be something to it. And the other player is Trevor Story. And yeah, that one's tough to figure out too, you know, obviously the, the opposite direction. And, you know, maybe we have a clue now because he is on the DL with the shoulder injury. So, you know, maybe for story that was, you know, just the, again, speculating here. I don't know how long he might've been dealing with this, but everything pretty much seems to be in line in terms of, you know, he's somebody who strikes out a lot, hits a lot of fly balls. The power has been there for story, maybe not quite as much as last year, but he has been popping up a lot more. And Matt, uh, in an earlier segment, uh, Matt Modica talked about the importance of looking at that infield fly rate, and that's something that is you know definitely showing up for for story. So not making the same quality contact. Now the player that I find very confusing is Matt Holiday, and I thought going to Yankee Stadium would be a boon for him, and, and it appears it would be. He is slashing two seventy nine, three eighty seven, five twenty nine. He's in the top thirty in WOBA in the majors. He's having a really really good season so far. But when you dig below, he's striking out a lot. He's striking out at a 27% rate, and he's also pulling the ball a lot more. So you say, okay, maybe he's become that almost Trevor Story-like all-or-nothing type hitter. But, um, you know, he's got the batting average and the high BABIP that seem to contradict all that. So I'm hopeful for, for Matt Holliday, but I'm worried that if he continues to be this type of hitter, he could regress, and he could regress really hard. So uh, that is something to definitely keep your eye on. So uh, anyway, that's a good place to wrap up today's show. I want to thank you for staying with us and uh, for listening today. Big thanks again to, for Matt Modica. So uh, we will be back on Thursday. Hope to see you then. And good luck in week seven. Catch you later.